While many of us stay home to stay safe, let's remember those who went out to be heard. 702, honoring the youth of 76. This morning we are in discussion with Morris Smithers, uh, who is of course the South African Alcohol Policy Director, Policy Alliance Director, and he, he'll be giving us a better idea uh, around really the alcohol ban. Many people are saying that it's the cause, some of people are saying it's the symptom, and it's a, it's a diverse discussion because it's not just the consumers or the sellers of alcohol that are affected. Morris, thank you for joining us this morning. How are you? Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm very well. It's a complex one, eh, Morris. You, you, you might create some enemies on one side, but it's also quite a serious matter when it comes uh, to alcohol and the effects that it's had on gender-based violence and all of those types of matters. It is. It's a very complicated issue. In fact, it's what uh, some uh, researchers call a wicked problem in that no matter what you do to try and solve it, you're going to create other problems. So you'll come up with one solution, for example, a ban, uh, which is for some people a solution, but the ban itself then creates other problems. And then you try and find a way to deal with that and it creates other problems. But that's the nature of any social problem where you're trying to deal with society and people. Mm. So it, 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 is a, it is a big issue. And I think it's important also to know that, to understand that, that COVID has really thrown up the problem that we have in South Africa and the world with alcohol. It's not a new problem. It's just that COVID, in particularly in South Africa, because there was a ban, mm-hmm. has shown that we have these challenges and has, in a way, made it more urgent for society to address the problem of alcohol. Mm. It's it's not a, a an easy discussion, and we even seeing from our ministers in the presidency, uh, Jackson Tembu describing the ill discipline of ministers. We've got on one side the minister of police, Peggy uh, Kele, uh, saying yeah. that the booze ban should not have been lifted. In the Eastern Cape, we've got uh, Mr. Oscar Mbuyane, who also says that alcohol is the problem. If they have this kind of contestation, where do we fall as citizens? Which side do we listen to? This indecision itself, does it cause a, a bit more of uh, contentiousness when it comes to the, the issue? And maybe can we get some evidence-based research? Well, I think that's a very important question, and that's one of the reasons why we even exist as SAPA. Because the reality is that the people who are directly affected by alcohol is ordinary individuals in society. Uh, If you think about the the challenges that people have around noise or the challenges around violence, gender-based violence, the challenges around uh, uh, people urinating in the street and Mm. so on, this is happening at neighborhood level. and we are supposed to be living in a participatory democracy where we're supposed to be, as people, having a say over how laws are made and having a say over what laws are made. Mm. And we don't, actually. So we, we are, at the end of the day, held hostage by the machinations of uh, politicians mm-hmm. as well as the industry. Because remember that the, the yes. politicians yes. also are, to an extent, driven by the liquor industry, we sure. clearly don't want restrictions. They don't want controls over alcohol because it eats into their profits. Mm. So we really do need a situation where there is a, a proper national debate taking place about how to manage alcohol. We're not, look, yes. I think we must talk about the issue of a ban. I yes. mean, we were surprised when government banned alcohol under COVID. 
given the fact that in the rest of society, um, in the rest of the world, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. most countries had restrictions on alcohol. So, for example, mm. they did the same as we did. They closed bars, they closed restaurants, clubs, and so on. But people could buy alcohol and take it home. There were about 10 countries that didn't do that. 10 countries like South Africa, Botswana, Lesotho, mm-hmm. Panama, Thailand, Sri Lanka, and so on, who banned alcohol altogether. India, too, mm. for that matter. Um, but I think that once government had put a ban on, which they did from the 27th of March and um, carried on for, for more than two months, mm-hmm. once they put the ban on, I think the question then was, is it time to lift the ban? And the only basis, well, there, there were two bases on which they had to make that decision. Yeah. One was obviously the health issue uh, to do with uh, COVID, and the other was to do with the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and our view is that it probably wasn't the right time okay. because we haven't hit the peak uh, of the COVID uh, the pandemic yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, hospital beds are needed. Um, so it probably was too early to lift the ban. Okay. And the correlation uh, between the violence itself and the alcohol abuse, is it something that, for example, the likes of Minister of Police, Peggy Kele, uh, his plight is related to that directly? What would your response to that it be? It is. It is. It is. And, but, I, you know, I think part of the problem with alcohol in our society is that it's not... It's not just a simple thing that yeah. alcohol causes people to be violent, therefore let's get rid of alcohol and solve the problem. You know, it's like gender-based violence. A lot of women, uh, women's organizations, gender-based organizations, don't like to this idea that people blame alcohol for gender-based violence because mm-hmm. their argument is that men are violent towards women. Yes. Uh, men assault women, men rape women. Uh, and alcohol is used as an excuse. Somebody stands up in court and says, I didn't know what I was doing because mm. I was drunk. Mm. So women, gender-based organizers, were very nervous about alcohol being used in that kind of way. But there mm. is no doubt yes. that alcohol does uh, fuel the fire, as it were. Yeah. Um, that's why, one of the reasons, in fact, why government argued that it was a good idea to ban alcohol under lockdown was because people were going to be in an artificial situation. There's already domestic violence Mm -hmm. existing in in society. Now you are taking men and women and sticking them uh, at home in an artificial 24-hour proximity to each other. So the tension is already there. Now, the the question has to be asked, if you add alcohol into that, is it going to actually fuel the fire? Is it actually going to make it even worse? And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, it was decided that we should ban alcohol. But the problem is that the the, the problem of gender-based violence goes much deeper than that. So yes, ban alcohol to reduce the incidence of gender-based violence, but deal with the issue of gender-based violence in society. And it's the same with crime. It's just, you know, a lot of the reason why we have crime in our society is the economy. Mm. And 28, 30% of people are unemployed. Uh, you know, crime is going to be a factor in our society until we have actually mm. changed the nature, the socioeconomic conditions of the bulk of people in our country. There was something um, called so do, alcohol just adds to the problem. 
Morris, do you remember we used to have something called Puza Thursdays in South Africa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear yeah, much about this. I, I, I don't hear much about it anymore. It was celebrated initially. Uh, it's some in the, um, of course, I'm talking about the early 90s and 80s and 70s, even the 60s yeah, themselves. Yeah. Is our mm-hmm. relationship with alcohol similar to other countries or are, how different are we? If you just joined us, we are with Morris Smithers. He's the Southern Africa Alcohol Policy uh, Alliance Director. Is our relationship with alcohol South Africa in South Africa uniquely different to other countries? I wouldn't say it's uniquely different. I mean, some people like to argue that it is very different, but it's not really. You know, there's the, the, the problems with alcohol actually uh, exist in most societies in the world. Uh, uh, that's why you have there's a similar organization to ours called the Global Alcohol Policy Alliance. Um, I attended a conference in Ireland uh, in March, actually just before the lockdown, where people came, about three or 400 people from around the world, all different countries. Mm. And you have people with similar problems in most different societies. There are different types of legislation that you have, stricter, less strict uh, situations. Mm. Uh, but the part of the problem and part of the reason why it's such a problem in the world is that we've now, with globalization, we now have a handful, maybe 10, of these massive liquor companies um, that own alcohol, al- alcohol outlets and alcohol production mm. in a range of different countries, and they're competing with each other to get as much of a market as they can. Mm. So we, ha- we, we have a lot of pressure from the liquor industry to normalize alcohol, to glamorize alcohol, mm. and to try and get people to drink. I mean, Africa is a very interesting case sure. because a lot of people don't drink in, in, in Africa. Mm. You know, there's some countries where 16% of the population actually drink. Mm. So for the liquor industry, that is wonderful because it's an, a potential new market for them sure. to to, to, it's, it's almost like a new colonialism, you know. Yeah. It's, it's 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 these global companies fighting for their own little part of Africa. So there is one particular country up in uh, in West Africa, Cameroon, one of the French, the French, originally French countries, that um, historically always had uh, a French brewery there, mm. and now one of the Belgian breweries has built a brewery there to 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 compete. Now you've got these two very <laughs> large breweries trying to sell. I mean, I don't know. Maybe your listeners, maybe you don't know. Yeah, this, no, I, I, I've, I've, you know that only thirty-one percent of people aged fifteen and above in South Africa actually drink. Thirty-one percent. So would you say the aim is an alcohol-free society? And I've seen the documentaries, the devastation caused by the illegal alcohol, even gin in certain African countries. They literally live for that liquid, that clear liquid, and they pass out because of the high volumes of alcohol. This competition, should we be protected as citizens from these international global organizations that are infiltrating? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And that's, 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 and, and the issue... Look, I don't think a ban. I don't. I, I don't think we should be talking talking about a ban. Yeah. And I don't think that we should be saying that we can achieve an alcohol-free society through a ban. Mm. I think the way in which, if we ever did achieve an alcohol-free society, and I think it's unlikely, the only way you would do that is through 
proper regulation mm-hmm. and through changing people's relationship with alcohol. Mm. You're not going to force people to stop drinking. Mm. And in, so, in, in, so I think one of the key things is you, 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 you actually have controls that stop the liquor industry from controlling the narrative about alcohol. So for example, advertising yeah, yeah. has got to be banned. Like with tobacco, alcohol advertising must be completely 100% banned mm. so that people can make their own choice as to whether to drink or not. Can there, be, can there be responsible advertising when it comes to, to alcohol, Morris? Because uh, this affects my peers, it affects me. I'm in the industry itself in terms of marketing and all those mm-hmm. aspects. And a lot of the, I must commend the liquor brands in terms of the, uh, the, the advertising during COVID has been quite responsible. They've urged responsibility. Would you say that there's a responsible way in which uh, alcohol companies can, can, can market and advertise or should it just be cut out plain and simply? Our argument is that the only advertising that should be allowed at all is at point of sale. So in other words, in a shop where you're selling the alcohol and that the only advertising that can be done is to say, this is our product, this is the name of the product, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's a beer, it has so many percentages of alcohol, um, enjoy it or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. The problem is that what the, what the way in which alcohol advertising does, uh, the way in which it, it's done, it promotes mm. a lifestyle. Mm. It makes people want to drink. I mean, it always fascinates me. Uh, I, I presume you drink. <laughs> I actually stopped drinking three months ago. <laughs> ah, there you go. Okay. All right. But you did drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What age did you start drinking? Boy, I le- actually didn't like liquor up until maybe the age of 15, 16. Then I learned to drink beer. I started with the ciders themselves. I had to learn yeah. how to drink. And my mother had a tavern, but I never felt compelled to drink. I just watched it and sold it. But it became part of socialization to be a beer drinker. Now, I used to be a very proud craft beer drinker. They have mm-hmm. a niche market, which they've really uh, grown in South mm-hmm. Africa. In Cape mm-hmm. Town, if you talk to some of the... It is a lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. So, so the point, the point is, you've you've just you've just answered the question I was going to ask you: is Did you enjoy the first beer that you had? Not really. <laughs> you didn't. I'd line longer, uh, and, I, and I'm pretty certain that most people didn't enjoy the first drink that they had, nor, in fact, did they enjoy the first cigarette that they had. Agreed. So the question I ask is: Well, why did you carry on? It's part of socialization. You like it? Why do you carry on? It's you have and to fit in. One of the biggest human exactly. needs is acceptance, exactly. and one of those things that is normalized in those societies, specifically when you're growing yeah. up, is is alcohol. Yeah. It's also part of yeah. traditional ceremonies as well. Well, you know, it has become part of traditional ceremonies. Mm. Over, uh, look, you know, alcohol, and that's part of the reason, by the way, that I say you can't really ban yeah. it because mm. in many societies there are aspects of it that are part of traditional ceremonies. Mm. But, you know, and it's been around for about, uh, archaeology seems to have revealed that um, the first signs of of deliberately produced alcohol uh, goes back about 10,000 years. I think they discovered a a residue of beer Mm. in some um, pots in China. Mm -hmm. So... It's been around for about 10,000 years. And yes, it has been used in some ceremonies and so on. But the reality is today, that's not the pressure. The pressure is not from those ceremonies. Mm-hmm. The pressure is from 
society, pushing people through advertising and then through peer pressure into believing that you have to drink, into believing that if you don't drink, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the thing that needs to change. So that if people then make a choice, if, they, if, they, if alcohol becomes available to them, it's something out there that they can use if they want to, they can make that choice without being pressurized by mm. society to do so. Which is, in fact, what's happened with tobacco. Mm. And then just to- uh, You know, when, when I was young, tobacco was ubiquitous. Everybody was smoking wherever it's you were. crazy. Went. I, I watched some of the, the movies and I'm like, you yeah. guys smoked everywhere <laughs> in a hospital, for you goodness go sake. A meeting. You know, if you, you talk about, you know, you, you, you're working in a studio now, right? Yeah, yeah. People, you know, people would be sitting in a studio mm-hmm. smoking. On television, you know, uh, talk shows, people would be smoking on television, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, as you see now today. Yeah, I remember uh, the Peter Stuyvesant be, ads from back in the day. They were quite glamorous. You'd see people on yachts. Absolutely. So they did the same thing. And, and, and it was very hard for a non-smoker to have any influence mm-hmm. or any authority over people who were smoking around them. But today, that whole balance of power has shifted mm. to a situation now where, non, where smokers are on the defensive. So you, people simply don't smoke in, in the presence of other people. Mm-hmm. What we have to do with, with alcohol, and when you go back to the beginning of the discussion mm. about the power of ordinary people over alcohol, I mentioned that 31%, according to the World Health Organization figures of 2018, mm-hmm. which were compiled with the help of South African researchers, about 31% of people aged 15 and above drink in South Africa. That's a very small percentage. That's less than a third. If you take into account children below 15, um, in, in other words, the entire population, only 22% of the mm. entire population drink. That means 78% of South Africans don't drink. Now, most people don't know that. Most people think that, you know, Everybody drinks. 80% of <laughs> yeah. people drink. Yeah. Because that's the impression that we get. And the reality is that those 22% of people are holding the rest of society hostage. Because you say your mother owned a tavern. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she ran her tavern. Uh, we all know that some people run their taverns in a relatively reasonable way. Others, mm-hmm. it can be a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, but the fact is that if if your mother was running her tavern in a in a in a way that was perhaps playing very loud music, mm-hmm. or perhaps um, there was less control and there was violence and so on. The people around her tavern had no control over that. Mm. They just had to put up with it. And then just lastly, Morris, with regards to addiction and especially dependency on alcohol, mm. would you feel mm. that we are criminalizing something that people genuinely have a pub- problem with? And how do we give access to uh, some solutions and also just rehabilitation for people living with uh, alcohol dependency? Look, I think that that is a societal problem that needs to be dealt with. Again, remember that the numbers of people who have an actual addiction, by an addiction I'm talking about people who mm-hmm. who have alcoholism, 
which means they should not drink at all because they it's a disease. They have no control over their drinking whatsoever. Mm. It's a very small number of the population. Um, and then there are people who you could call problem drinkers who who really who drink steadily all the time uh, and, and who really need some psychological help and, and a mm. bit of a cold turkey to go through. They obviously need help because like with any drug, the drug takes over um, and you need assistance to deal with it. You need psychological assistance, physical assistance, medical assistance to deal with it. And society should take on that responsibility. I agree with you. Mm. Um, but I think we must remember that that's a tiny number. Most people who drink badly and, 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 and most people who drink badly of those who do drink are what you call binge drinkers. They in fact themselves don't drink all the time. About mm -hmm. 60% of those who drink are what you call binge drinkers. That's to say that when they drink, they drink hard. That's easy to solve. Uh, you know, the, the, and the way you solve that is you just make alcohol less available. So what is happening now with uh, limited operating hours is actually a good thing. I'm not saying it should continue exactly the way that it is going into the future, but certainly we shouldn't have liquor outlets staying open until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It really doesn't make any sense. The second thing is we did possibly too many liquor outlets, and you have a system where you control that, and let people in the neighborhood decide. Fair. Let people in the neighborhood decide if there are too many liquor outlets in their neighborhood, and let them decide how many there should be. And then thirdly, you deal with the pricing. Uh, you don't, uh, you know, one of the things we're suggesting right now is you must ban 750 mil and one liter bottles of beer. Morris, do you know there's a five. song literally made for that 750 milliliters? I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it. Yeah. No, but got, you, you know, because part of the problem is it just makes it too easy and too cheap to drink. Hmm. So, so that needs to be dealt with. So if you deal with all of those things and you take away advertising, Slowly, you will normalize the situation. You will get to a situation where, yes, people still drink, but most people will drink moderately. Most people will drink in a way that is not dangerous. So we don't, instead of talking about an alcohol-free society, mm -hmm. we talk about an alcohol-safe society because drinking should be a safe activity, mm. both for the drinker and for the non-drinker. I mean, I, I, one last thing I'll leave you with mm -hmm. is that a study was done in Britain to look at the, the impact of 20 different recreational drugs. And, rem, and let me remind you that alcohol is a recreational drug in the same way that ganja is a recreational drug, heroin, myope, everything else. These are all recreational drugs. The only difference is that alcohol is legal and tobacco is legal. Right. Both recreational drugs. They did a study of 20 of these drugs and what they found was that alcohol is far and away the most harmful drug of all of them in terms of the, the harm done to the drinker and the harm done to society. More than that, it was the only drug out of the 20 that does more harm to society than to the drinker. Sure, Morris. The only drug. Thank you so much once again for such a considered and well-weighted discussion. We are with Morris Smithers, Southern Africa Alcohol Policy Alliance Director. Thank you for your time this morning, Morris. Please do be safe. All the best. My pleasure. You too. Thank you.